0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of IC News. I'm Brandon David, your host. As always, if you're joining us for the first time, this is the editorial opinion show for the cannabis industry. We need that. We need the two cents in the world. I'm giving my opinion, not to be confused with my asshole, although we both have both. Great, great episode of IC News with some hot topics. Today we have Dave of Flower Hire. This is the guy that places executives across the industry. He knows the real hiring data about minorities, about women, about unemployment, about growth as an industry as a whole. We get into a lot of great topics. He has a fantastic 30,000 foot view of the industry and has become a quick friend. Dave, nice to have you. You're gonna learn a ton, guys, I promise. Before we get into the episode, a special shout out to our sponsor and partner. Support for investing in cannabis comes from NorCal Cannabis Company, the most complete cannabis ecosystem in California. NorCal Cannabis is shaping the industry in new ways every day. With 12 tons of annual yield, delivery to 10 million Californians in under an hour, a growing network of retail locations, and a living portfolio of brands, this is cannabis. To learn more, visit the futureofcannabis.com thanks a guy, thanks again guys for supporting independent media it means a lot all right let's jump into the episode with dave of flower hire i learned a ton you're going to learn a ton tune in listen up get acquainted Great to see you again, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me at your beautiful office here in Manhattan Beach.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you moved to Venice. There's definitely perks to being on the West Coast.
0: You know, Dave, I thought my life was good. And then I came to your office and saw what you're doing. And damn, it's pretty good.
1: Well, it's got to be your satellite office. That, you oh,
0: yeah. Deal.
1: <laughs> Whenever
0: you need it. Deal. Um, okay, so we got some hot topics. I C news. We're going to do the topic thing. Let's start with... What you know best, you run Flower Hire, which is a cannabis recruiting firm. Did I get that right? That, Staffing firm, what do you? What term do you I, use?
1: I call it uh, recruiting and executive search. Executive
0: but, search, that's fancy, I like that better. Executive search, okay. So you're the guy that knows the most about hiring in cannabis. That, that's my, you don't have to say it, I'll say it for you. Um, which means you get to see all the nitty gritty about these companies and what they're hiring. Uh, and so there's a couple narratives, particularly in the cannabis industry that I want to talk about, debunk, verify, call it what you may. So the first is, what's the trend like in rising and falling? We have a very, very low inpo- unemployment rate across the country, three point something, three point something, something. Uh, but in California, it's even lower. And particularly in L.A., I mean, if you're among the right demographic, it's probably zero. That's that's my right. guess at ne- this point. Ne- negative, negative employment. Right. More negative.
1: open jobs than people with certain
0: skills, for sure. And is this consistent with the cannabis industry? How does it track the market
1: like that? I think right now, most companies in cannabis that we talk to aren't just looking at bringing on somebody. They have... 10 to 20 to 30 open positions across the company. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it, it, it parallels the, the broader market and the challenges of actually getting good people, um, whether it's cannabis, whether it's tech, whether it's healthcare, right? Um, there, there's, a, there's a shortage. Yeah, got it. But, and that's
0: increasing, aside from your business and the growth of your own company, do you think that's increasing as an industry as well?
1: Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, I think that the industry itself is fiercely com- competitive and there's a lot of uh, you know, different factors that are making certain companies have to pivot and, and potentially consolidation is happening. But overall, um, companies are definitely scaling across this space and it has not slowed down. It's only, only increased um, and actually only increased over the past 18 months consistently. So from a government
0: perspective, that sounds amazing. Right, like okay, all these new jobs, this big new industry, but I think if you peel back the layer, uh, the onion, mean, just one layer, the problem with the unemployment rate as it is is there's a lot of people that are unemployed or underemployed rather. So may have some job, but they're driving Uber, they have a temporary job, right. or in the cannabis industry, are they trimmers? Are they bud tenders? Where where's that growth coming from?
1: I think that the growth is still across the board i mean there is seasonality to you know outdoor cultivation and, and things like that for sure but i think there's uh companies that are experiencing a shortage of, of folks to do um you know warehouse work manufacturing work as well all, all the way on up to um management and executive level you know there, there's no if you're looking at different leveling you know there's need across the board um mm-hmm. in in this space and um I think, unlike you know other factors and the rise of the gig economy in, in cannabis, outside of maybe some some delivery driver roles or whatever, um, everything is forty hours a week plus um, mm-hmm. that these companies are looking for.
0: Yeah, it's not to diminish that work at all. We really need trimmers. We really need people that are willing to do uh, walk up and down the the grow and find pesticides. We we need those people badly. Um, but given that what you do, you you specialize more in the executive side, right? I mean, you're not placing trimmers.
1: No, right? um, that, that's not that's not what we do. We do um, you know everything from executive down to management down to experienced professionals, sort of senior, little salaried. That's, mm-hmm. that's our sort of sweet spot.
0: And how are those salaries? I come from the tech industry, which I know you do originally too. There's some crazy inflated salaries in that industry. How how do cannabis salaries at the executive level compare?
1: Well, I, I mean, I agree with you. Tech. There's a lot of inflated salaries and entitlement um, for folks in that industry. And I think in cannabis, you know, one of the things that we do a lot of is talk about the realities of working in the industry. And I think um, going back a year or two ago across the board, people were were taking pay cuts um, to get involved kind of at the ground floor of this new thing. Um, And even now, I think if somebody can remain level from a base salary standpoint, um, that's, that's pretty consistent. No one's getting a raise. And obviously, they tend to take a hit in some of their benefits and things like that. Now, for executive level, I think categorically the cash compensation part of their package is less in cannabis than it is in other industries
0: they've just raised less money
1: they raise raised less money yeah. and it's and it's more of that kind of startup mindset where you're taking a gamble on potential equity right you know and and ultimately if somebody at the executive level isn't interested in that component they're probably not right for the space right now. Um, cause every other executive that they'd be joining is in that same boat. Is that another way of saying, um, people that work in
0: cannabis like cannabis?
1: I think they, uh, absolutely. I mean, this isn't an industry where you go in and you're like, well, a job's a job. I'm an accountant. It doesn't matter what I do. Um, and it's, it might, might be like, it's, it's more of a belief. You know, I think what I, what I've seen is, you get really talented people that bring skills into a company or into this industry that also believe in what they're doing. Really uh, you know, amazing things can happen from a, from a collaboration, from a creativity, you know, to kind of unlock the value of a company that has a lot of challenges facing it as the market continues to mature. So yes, people in cannabis like cannabis and enjoy what they do every day. And, and probably still, you know, their 10 year old self or not 10 year old, maybe 18 year old self, looks at their 40-year-old self and can't believe what they're actually doing. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I feel the same way. I feel so lucky just to have a small part
0: in this very cool new industry. I mean, what a time to be alive. What a time. So I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of <coughs> one of your sales guys. I was a sales guy for a long time. And you get a potential candidate on the phone, doesn't work in cannabis currently. And you have to explain to them, well, you're going to get paid a little less, you're going to speculate on some equity a little more but it's cannabis
1: do you like cannabis like how does that conversation go how do you get them in well it's a good question i mean i, I think i've we've figured out a, a formulaic approach to looking at people outside of the industry coming in and i think there's three different parts to that narrative you know one is yes as a capitalist you got to believe you know that this is the foundation of a 40 billion dollar global industry you also going to be a startup person. So that's how we frame a lot of the mm. insanity of the cannabis industry as, you know, there's that's not my job, doesn't exist. You know, you're dealing with something in hypergrowth in an industry where regulations are changing. So there's a lot of moving parts and uncertainty, you know, and, and so people thrive in that. And that's what they want. That's why they're looking at cannabis. And some people aren't ready for that based on their life situation. So we, we talk through that. And then we talk about the idea of cannabis, um, you know, historically going back two and a half years ago. What we'd bring up is like, imagine you're at Thanksgiving and your aunt says, Hey, here's my, you know, my daughter who went to a great college and now she's a drug dealer. You know, are you prepared to handle that conversation at a family level or discuss what you do with your kids, right? Yep. You know, but now it's more of, you know, you have to have a relationship with the plant in some way. Being a user doesn't hurt, but it's also about believing you're on the right side of history, believing it impacts people's medicine, believing that mass incarceration has been a bad thing for America. And, um, and if you, and, and then we get people to talk about it and talk about their own experience perspective on cannabis and the ones that it's either, hell yeah, I, I, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And this is, and I get it or, or it's, or it's not.
0: And give just an example of one of those stories. I mean, like, is there someone that you never thought would have been in cannabis and then they just love it or they're super valuable to a company today?
1: I, I, f- yes, so historically the most risk adverse demographics tend to be in finance and, and and law. And both of those areas are parts of the industry thats needed to up level the most because those skill sets traditionally didn't exist. Um, so when you're looking at, you know, uh, a very sober CFO um, who tends to be very risk adverse, um, you know, I two stories come to mind. one that talked about how, their father um, used it um, to help fight pain around cancer, and um, and they weren't a believer at all. And then all of a sudden that happened, and, and they really started looking into more and educating themselves, and they realized how many people benefit from the plant. So there's there's stories like that, um, and then there's you know stories like you know well I'm actually a, a a marathon runner, or I've been able to continue to ride my bike well into my 50s, and because I found CBD and I put it on my joints, right? So there's um, a ton of stories like that. And that's been one of the things that I always knew um, about the power of the plant as a medicine. But just hearing more and more kind of colloquial evidence from talking to people and their own connections, you know, I think most people are one degree of separation away from somebody who has been impacted in a positive way by, by the plant. It's so, so
0: true. I think it's about. <coughs> similar numbers as people that have been impacted by cancer in their family. They go hand in hand, I think, in a lot of ways. So there's this narrative in the cannabis industry that a lot of people like to push, that minorities and women have a better shot, have a better fighting chance at becoming successful, becoming an executive, however you define success in cannabis. Are you seeing that?
1: Well, I think as an organization that's helped, you know, over 300 people, um, get jobs of a strategic nature in this industry. Um, we've placed more women and, and, and people of color than, than white males, um, as as a, as a whole, um, which is, which is exciting. I, I, but I look at it like cannabis is not, uh, it's, 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 it's people of all different backgrounds have relationship with the plant. So it's not, uh, a brown industry or a white industry, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's also happening at a time when, you know, there's things happening in the in the overall world that I think executives that are building these companies value perspective and opinions from people with different backgrounds. And um, and I I've, I've seen this industry be incredibly accepting, you know, of of any background just depending on who they were as a person and what they brought to the table from a skill and attitude standpoint. Yep. I mean, the
0: thing is like Look, I don't have a racist or sexist bone in my body. And I can tell just by the generation that you are and the limited time we spent together. You don't either. But with that said, I don't hire people based on some need, some quota, some affirmative action. And I often take heat from this, even just this week with the last IC News that came out, that I don't have enough women on the show. And I say, well, okay, maybe I haven't done a good enough job of looking But I'm not coming across a lot of great, great women and minority executives. And again, this is just my opinion. I'm not saying it's your opinion, but you must run into that, right? Where a company says, Jays, it'd be great to hire a woman. Do they say that to you?
1: It it, it comes up, absolutely. You know, because I think people genuinely feel more comfortable sharing with their recruiter something they couldn't say to anybody else, um, you know, as as they're kind of. As their profile. But at the same time, I think from an applicant pool standpoint, like it's broadly um, very, uh, you know, there, there's a huge demographic to pull from um, of all different types of folks, you know, I think, you know, and it's really been refreshing actually coming out of tech where, you know, what I did for 13 years before this, where it, it, it wasn't as much. But in, in this one, with almost, you know, there's certain skill sets out there you know um that there are are less women than men um like finance is an example not accounting but finance and, yeah. and, and then it becomes a little bit, bit trickier but 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 across the board i i think that you know the cool interesting about cannabis is people are drawn to it um from all all back <clears throat> do you find any difference between california
0: or the more liberal states in hiring and let's say oklahoma you know
1: well, I mean, I think you gotta just look at the general demographics of the of the yeah. of the surrounding area that a yeah. position is in. Um, but and I do think California is different than the rest of the uh, rest of the country as it relates to cannabis. You know, obviously most other states are exclusively medical and limited licensing, and a lot of the companies and entities formed in other parts of the country tend to resemble um you know a bigger business than they actually are from a corporate standpoint versus in california it tends to be more you know startupy and scrappy and, and almost almost like hyper growth venture backed um and then how it feels so um you know i I know that specifically in California, um, has done a, a, a great job of building a, a diverse industry, in my opinion, and could obviously continue to improve. But I mean,
0: you've worked with a lot of clients, right? What well, name, yeah. name some of the people you worked with, some of the big companies?
1: Oh, uh, like, uh, like a connected Kiva, Pop and Barkley, Ease, Lowell. Flokana, Kiva, everybody. Yeah,
0: you started with ease, right? That was your first uh, yeah. big contract. Yeah, job. it was the, it
1: was the first um, real foray into doing recruiting in this industry. And at the end of the did day, did you find Jim? Did no, you? no, no, I didn't. I did not. I did not find Jim. Got it. Jim Jim had a very hard had, had a very hard job. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, being a first mover and running the highest public profile cannabis company that was extremely disruptive was, was not an easy job. Got it. Well,
0: that's great background on you. I think it, it adds a lot of credibility for everybody. I think one of the things that you must be dealing with a, a lot right now, or your clients are, is the current vape gate that's happening. Is this something that you're hearing about a lot? Does it
1: make it back to you? Oh, 100%. I mean, we work with companies um, across the industry from you know, that have brands that are ancillary, that are more retail focused, um, that are vertically integrated and i think there's a, a lot of examples of companies that um primarily have made money off of oil-based products and vaping um that are that are definitely scared and revenues have taken a hit um in the last 90 days um and, and a lot of them are happy. how much do you know i heard 10 percent uh, i i have i've heard up to 30 percent in in, Cal, in california and um wow. and with flower sales <laughs> that's crazy increasing. yeah it is it is crazy you know it's um but at the same time, I've also seen companies that spent, you know, 500 grand developing a brand new um, vape pen and, and at the wrong timing. And if, if a company has made their money off of vaping a store, it's a really tough time to go and raise money, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, that that being said, it, it, it is top of mind. But one of the things I think that is done in California, at least, is it's really mobilized the industry to kind of come together and have a singular voice. And I, I think that the responsible um, legal cannabis industry has, has you know, generated a, a good amount of tax revenue for the state and have unified in their messaging around that they are... <laughs> I mean, it has created revenue, but dramatically less than they expected. Right. Dramatically well, less. One of the things I'm seeing is that based on, um, you know, the, the mobilization of the industry around this topic is that it's, I think it's actually going to have the, the right effect of stepping up enforcement on some of like black market operations for not only for public safety, um, but also just... Um, because there's, you know, you see uh, if you see um, uh, the, uh, Bella Costa Labs that are publishing reports on all the products that they're testing that are legal compliant products, not yeah. having any of these uh, additives that are given. Which is the save. vast
0: majority of products. Right. I mean, the thing is, uh, look, maybe this will be proven false to some small degree. But if you're buying it in a dispensary or from a legal uh, delivery you're good yeah i mean it's y- tested know. more stringently than food you like avocados that has less testing than your vape pen that you bought from med so but but you know this That's is true. this is the narrative that gets created in the world and and this is the headline culture that we live with and for better or worse I mean, it can be fun sometimes, but it causes a lot of misinformation.
1: Well, and vaping has been extremely disruptive to some very entrenched industries. I mean, mean, how much cigarette sales are down year over year and how...
0: Cigarettes, yes, of course. But think about just what it does to a pre-roll company. It's pretty big, actually, Right. right? Like, I've actually just recently shifted back partly because of our new partner and sponsor, Higgs, shout out. But um, back to pre-rolls because there's so much shit going on with vapes. And I like vapes. Chemistry, our other sponsor partner, like I, they make the best vape in the world. It's really convenient at certain moments. But I think there's just a lot more that we need to learn about. I mean, cannabis as a whole, for sure. But there's something that seems um, intuitively safer to me about smoking the direct plant than after it's passed through some solvent and really been manufactured. If you think about food and other things that we consume, the more manufactured it is, the more processed it is, usually the worse it is for us. So anyway, I'm just trying to get a little more balance, I suppose. Yeah. Right, well,
1: and I'm a I'm a fan of uh, flour myself, um, and, I, and I do like the vape as well for discretion and, and, and flavor and things of that nature, but nobody really knows Hundred percent at this point, and I think at least more and more um, research is being done now to really understand what what's actually happening when when you uh, when you're vaping versus smoking, and what different molecules do, and when when heated. and And I think it's uh, at some point sooner rather than later, we're gonna, a, we're gonna have a very informed industry with a lot with a lot of information um, from a public health standpoint, but just not there yet.
0: We're getting there. We're getting there. There's some good people doing some good work. The best work comes out of Israel. For sure,
1: right? But for some reason, we don't really value that information here. Uh, it, it it's funny. So there's there's three headquarters to the, to the cannabis industry right now. You know, Israel is the headquarters of R and D in the medical research because they've been doing it for much longer than anyone else. They do it, yeah. right, um, and you can um, talk to scientists and doctors in Israel that can tell you what type of strain or molecules in combination can be used to treat things across the board from ADHD to inflammation to depression and and Israel is incredibly far along and but then you have you know Canada and Toronto which has been the the hub for the financial markets as it relates to cannabis Um, and obviously yes they have legalized it which is why they're the hub for Mm -hmm. the financial markets but they're also don't have a huge population and and it's not they
0: also did something crazy which is they let another country's company list on their stock exchange and if you think about that, that's pretty nuts. And what that means for the world more broadly, I wish producer Eric was here. He would have a little more knowledge on the financial markets than I do. But I don't think that's very common. It's
1: it's not it's not common, but but it does happen. I mean, you know, Ali, Alibaba is traded on the New York Stock Exchange. I know, you know, but a whole class of company, a whole industry, they're just like, oh, welcome right. in. Well, guys. well no like, one had heard of the Canadian Stock Exchange before cannabis. Exactly. There you yeah, go. You know, yeah. I mean, it was it was used by the domestic. You know, folks of Can of Canada and maybe you know Australia, yeah. right? Before, yeah, um, it was like Canada anybody was-
0: that couldn't get into the U.S. Right? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. That that's how it was. And now they've taken this crazy new industry on. And look, it was a great ride for them. It was totally a bubble. It's over, but good for them. A lot of people made a lot of money. You know, who made the most money, Canaccord. Yeah. Oh, I- holy shit! They those have- guys are smart.
1: So, so many um, IPOs, so many big capital raises, some Over RTOs. and over
0: and over again.
1: And, and, and still, to this day, every company, even California-based, that is looking at raising considerable amounts of money and eventually going public talks to Canaccord. Yeah. Because they have the most domain knowledge and subject matter
0: expertise. It's fascinating. You were saying that Flower Hires doing a deal a week, which is awesome. No, deal a day. A deal a day. Yeah. Amazing. That's what Canaccord's doing. Or at least for that period of time.
1: And, and their deals are, are much more valuable. Well,
0: I didn't want to shit on you, man, <laughs> but you're doing well here with your beachfront office in Manhattan hey, Beach. Hey, you on. know,
1: it feels good to, to shape an industry that you believe in and, yeah. and bring the right people into it. And, and um, what you do is not sexy, and I admire that. I love
0: non-sexy businesses. The best thing to me in the whole world is value. That's the sexiest thing for me in the whole world. And I look around your office, and it's lean. You're making money. No one in the weed industry is making money. That's the fascinating thing, right? Maybe connected is your number one client, but um, I their numbers are nuts.
1: Well, have, We're not going to say them out here, but, but they, their numbers they, they, they are they nuts. They have that, the highest uh, per pound flower in the state.
0: I mean, Jesus Christ, though. Like, I, I'm not saying the quality matches. I don't. I don't know what they should be paid. I'm not a sommelier. I, I don't know how to value cannabis. I know what good weed looks like, but I I'm not a a market
1: pricing no, no, no analyst, one knows. you know, well, some people do, but, but they're always thrown off. Cause the thing about this industry is so hard to plan for. Still. You have like a mature market, like Colorado that gets thrown up on its head because of a frost early, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Um, and you, and people have been talking about oversupply in California, but there was a huge shortage, um, in the summertime, um, of, of clean tested flour and the price went way up, you know? So, so here's my question though,
0: and this is totally off topic, but it's my show. So hey, man. fuck it you are um, in charge. <laughs> for better or for worse, my friend. I'm just here. For, you're just here. Yeah. No, I'm glad you're here. This has been really fun. So if you're one of the 10 companies in California that have raised $50 million or more.
1: There's more companies than that that have raised $50 million or more. Okay.
0: $100 million or more?
1: Okay. 10 might be about right.
0: Okay. I'm talking about the ones that are going to win, yeah. right? The ones that are dominant. They look at Connected. How do they break in there? I mean, obviously, they've created a crazy brand and such a following and such a recognition with quality, which, again, I'm not sure is warranted. They make good stuff, but I'm not sure it's the best. How do you change that? How does that evolve? Is this just marketing dollars? I know I'm asking outside of your purview, but I think you're a smart guy.
1: I mean, it's it's a it's a great question. I mean, um, and I think that what's happened, it, actually, what's interesting, it's kind of it's related on, on the same point over the past six months, especially where you know we've always found good people outside of cannabis and brought them in. There are people that have gotten into this industry in the last couple of years that would never go back to another industry, but realize they're on the wrong boat, mm-hmm. right? So you're starting to see people from a talent standpoint moving around um, within the industry for horrible. the first time. Yeah. Um, you know, and I guess that's that's what happens when you get a, 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 a an emerging market. But um, I mean, I, I mean, how do you? I mean, the the connected story goes way back in terms of the origins of that and how they got their genetics and and mm-hmm. and, and you know. So there's. Do you think so it's the value best? So being a legacy brand. that like you're just you're not gonna. It's hard to catch up. You yeah. know to that. You know where they're at, but they're, the market's big enough to where you know there's other ways to to poke through and find customers.
0: Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of customers, and there's a lot of new customers. Yeah. There's people transitioning from the black market. Some will never come, but that's okay. They'll die. And there's just so many new people every day, really, because it's not just somebody that walks into a dispensary or somebody that orders. It's somebody that has a hit of a pre-roll outside a bar. It's somebody that you know is given an, a one-to-one CBD THC edible to help them go to sleep. It's these people that we don't see that are secretly becoming consumers. You know, unfortunately, they're 15, 16, 17 year olds who love cannabis every day, all day. And we can't talk about them, but they're obviously getting weed somewhere, right? And those people are soon to be consumers in big waves. I I found this fascinating. I'm gonna call out my little sister, she won't mind, but she goes to Coronado High School. She's 17, she's a senior. And what she told me is that the norm in her high school is to smoke weed and that most people don't drink. Like the default is to smoke weed and then some people drink. I went to high school right around there, Laguna Beach, Sage Hill, two different schools, right in, in that area. Super rich, white, wealthy, Orange County and- 949? 949, what up? Everybody got drunk all the fucking time. and the fact that that's shifted, they did other things too, but the fact that that's shifted into cannabis first, that's basically what she told me is
1: within a a generation,
0: my friends are cannabis first that within a generation, I mean, half a generation, maybe I'm 32, she's 17. Like that was remarkable to me. And what that means for guys like us and specifically brands, chemistry, Higgs, Henry's, I don't know, whatever, whatever's going to win crazy a a lot of customers
1: yeah you know and and i think that there's a lot there's companies in this industry that are really chasing like quick story cash out um but the ones that are running like good business making good product building their customer base staying staying lean um are the ones that are going to continue to be around you know and i think you it's going to just take time it's going to take yes there was a bubble at first you saw valuations get really high in canada but it's just going to take time for the whole industry to mature and i think as to your point on capital raise earlier the ones that have be able to raise money and are not just in a hurry to spend it all thinking there's going to be more there are are the ones that i i am a big fan of you know um because even for my business i want to work with companies that are going to be around in in two three four years and and just be part of that story over the long term yeah
0: i mean look my i'm going to sound like my dad here he loves to say that there's no shortage of capital in the world there's just a shortage of good ideas and people to execute on them you know like people like oh i can't raise the money well that
1: means you suck that's all that means sorry you you don't know how to explain to people how to what's valuable about your business and why they should you can't like, explain I think raising it or there money isn't is, Raising money is a skill set. Yeah. Right. And very few people are, are, are good at that without actually having experience or some type of training in doing it um, you know, early. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the challenges of this industry too, is that people that have been able to raise money have experience raising money in other industries. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. at the top. But mm-hmm.
0: um, So that's a really good segue actually to the next topic, which is all of this influx of money has mean, meant that people all over the world, as cannabis is very global now, have started to grow huge amounts of cannabis. And some places it's easier to get started than others, but in many of the more mature markets, there's a dramatic oversupply problem. Um, and I think we've seen a couple cycles in cannabis already of oversupply, undersupply, price compression, back and forth. But I think at the place we are today, somebody um, sent me an article, Forbes article, I won't call you but thank you for sharing it, um, about what's happening with Aurora. Did you read that article? Did you see that?
1: Uh, I, I saw it. They, they They produced so much, they're admitting that they're probably gonna destroy a good amount of their harvest. Which is crazy to think how long we fought to be able to grow this plant
0: in small amounts and in such a short amount of time we now have to price fix basically Um, I I think it's first of all a testament to technology that's crazy that we've done this in this short period of time but what does that mean I guess first just in the short term what does that mean that Canada has this dramatic oversupply issue and what, what should they do? Is this the right way to do it? Is it like maple syrup? We got to house a bunch and, and keep the market good.
1: There's there's a, just
0: stay close to the mic. If you get a little closer, yeah,
1: there's a, that's a, it's a, that's a big complicated and complex thing, but it, it is crazy that, you know, um, one of the two countries where cannabis is completely legal, you know, one of the most valuable companies in the world in this industry is, is destroying a huge part of their product. Um, I think it'll, you know, people don't have always been off on projections in this industry of like how much sales are going to be, what it's going to look like, how many retail stores are going to be open. So over the course of time, I think you'll see less and less of things that are that blaring where the supply and demand is, is way off. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, as especially as technology improves and, and people can forecast better and you can get harvest every 90 days and, and all those things. Um, but, you know, if you also look at it from a just a, a government standpoint, governments are making money from g- licensing grow operations mm-hmm. in Canada, mm-hmm. right? And and so, the government will issue as many there uh, the, as as meet the requirements in a lot of those provinces, and um, you know so. Just because you can get the license doesn't mean you should go and 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 build it out, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, can we go so far as to call this a cannabis industrial machine? I like that. Are we there now? Well, I think in a place like Canada, where it's dominated by publicly traded, you know, pharmaceutical and agricultural companies, it hundred percent is a is a cannabis. We industrial just talked complex. about
0: Canaccord. I mean, yeah complex that's that's what that's the cannabis industrial complex we're putting that out first in the world um today today right here on ic news The machine the machine so yeah canada's making money from the tax revenue and from selling licenses which are not cheap i never tried to buy one but i'm sure it's really expensive in canada
1: and and actually and very limited, out. right? Yeah.
0: Oh, of course, the build out, everything. So that's the financial markets churning. We got Canaccord taking all the fees. Um, what What's the back end of that? See, here's the weird part about Canada is the retail setup, right? Because they can't really capitalize on it, like like they should be able to.
1: Well, it's it's kind of it's similar to how the states work here in a lot of ways. Obviously, there, it's except it's federally legal, so you don't have just the the battle between state and federal there um, but every province is different i think you know um british columbia and ontario have actually started opening up like private retail stores and issuing those licenses but in most provinces it's controlled by the government and the government sets the price of flour and and it's it it's uh, it, there's a lot of parts of that country where it's challenging to get legal cannabis stuff, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um but uh yeah i mean at the end of the day at least their government had the courage of the foresight to realize that this could help their population it wasn't worth regulating and they could actually turn into a responsible industry and a model for the world so mm-hmm. i still so, you know obviously they're the first ones to broadly legalize it and and they're gonna go through their their bumps and doing it mm-hmm. right um mm-hmm. and then I mean, even if you look at California, there's vast wastelands of desert of cannabis activity. If you look at the black market here, well, the fact that within what, somewhere between 50 and 75%, I keep hearing different. I've heard
0: 60, I've heard 80. I mean, yeah, we can't do statistics in this industry, apparently, but. Either way, yeah, it's a massive number.
1: Massive number of people that live in a city where they can't go to a dispensary and buy and buy cannabis in the legal yeah, market. Yeah, you know, so another thing to solve the black market, or is, they can't afford it, or or they can't afford the crazy taxes charge of, yeah. of tax. Yeah, it's
0: unfortunate.
1: Um, well, there's some low cost but look, brands out oh, there look, now, like your Old Pals of the World and things like that. They're consistent. Old clean, Pals crushing. They're crushing it. Oh my god! You know, I and and they're a brand play. Yeah, like that's yeah like, old pal partners with licensed entities. Yeah. you know they're they're a brand play. They they source I think product that represents the quality that they want to put out there, yeah. and they do a good job of that. But they they basically make money off of off of the packaging yeah. and
0: collect royalties. Ted Ted and Tony are so smart, man. They, Ted was like Bain Capital and like was a consultant and really, I mean, he's just looking at this such from a systems perspective and like just did it well. Started with humble legends you know and then anyway they're doing crazy numbers i don't want to reveal their numbers either but um so this oversupply issue we're we're looking at it from a very uh insider business perspective lens but for the consumer isn't this ultimately like the best thing ever
1: i mean to have low cost you know cannabis absolutely yeah yeah I and mean, if
0: we can do something about the taxes see the value well, in the growing... consumer
1: wins in the, with legal market in california is 100 percent example yeah. of that because of of the care that 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 people are putting into their products and differentiating their products but also offering different form factors and technology of micro dosing and consistency so the consumer definitely 100 percent wins yeah. in this in the legal market yeah absolutely yeah um
0: yeah i again what a time to be alive
1: what a time to be alive you know i um i I support clients on the east coast so i'm i'm getting calls at 5 a.m and you know we, we work we work harder and the team works even harder and i'm lucky to have a good team around me but but every time i'm like wow there's just so much going on i'm like look at what i'm doing you know look what i'm a part of and 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 um You know and look at the industry i'm working with Mm -hmm. um it's the people i get to interface with like you you know it's yeah um it's mutual man
0: yeah it's a weird thing because i'm lucky enough to be presented with a lot of opportunities outside of the cannabis street as well and they're good opportunities but um i struggle with like opportunity cost and like okay this industry is only going to be new once and I'm only here once. And should I just be doing this all day, every day? And don't get me wrong. I do a lot of cannabis stuff, but you know, I'm looking at real estate stuff and entertainment management, all this stuff that like sounds great, but yeah. Well, yeah. we only have so much focus, focus yeah. to look
1: at deal flow. And even for it's me, hard, like, yeah. I gave up 14 years of relationships that I'd built in, in the tech 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 industry of clients that would work with me if I called them Yeah, and I'm, I'm putting my focus into this one, and um, it's working, man. It, 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 it's You're making working. money over here. I can tell. Yeah. Well, we get we we got a you know a long, a long way not to not paying any two eighty e taxes. Well, there is no two eighty. That is the benefit of being a service provider to the industry. <laughs> there's no two eighty e taxes in the uh,
0: in the media industry either. No, no, there's not. And I have like me and producer Eric. We have
1: like zero overhead of any kind. It's yeah. amazing. Well, I like, anyway, I like I like being, I like being a service provider to to the yeah industry. no and, totally and, and i like just the lens that when you get to look at things and in, in kind of aggregate of, of what companies are facing with from a challenges standpoint type of people that companies are looking for at different stages people moving around between companies and um you know i think one of the things because it is hard to i think the hardest job in the world right now is to be a cannabis ceo and i and uh, i respect anyone that's yeah that's, that's doing that is what a service provider as you know that is competent delivers what you say you will they they tend to ask your help for everything yeah you know or or what your thoughts are on on different things so it's really exciting to to be part of you know that uh that ecosystem um
0: so fun um speaking of ecosystem it's not all sunny in philadelphia all the time um cushy punch has got themselves into Quite a pickle. Um, that'd be a terrible flavor for a cozy punch pickle. But yeah. so I've heard the story like three different ways so far, as is in the cannabis industry. <laughs> yeah. But the best I can piece together the facts is that they were selling huge amounts of their product illegally, black black market,
1: right? Right. Licensed facilities selling to the legal cannabis and market they got in raided. Yeah was anonymous. there a
0: whistleblower is there anonymous tip does anybody know that yet if you know let us know yeah um
1: i heard anonymous tip but okay
0: okay and so one of their competitors tipped <laughs> tipped them tipped off the, the that's what it sounds like <laughs> right but anyway um and this was in santa barbara area LA, north la, LA chatsworth, okay, um, that, chatsworth that area the valley yeah okay yeah and so did they kill any dogs so they like was it like classic raid do you know like was it? I don't. Their guns, I don't know. guns out, and
1: I, I don't, I don't.
0: Is this a movie scene is, or, is, or like a parking team? ticket? You
1: know. Uh, I, don't, I Hopefully,
0: it was more on the parking t- ticket side, and but they're gonna have hell to pay. I mean, yeah. they're gonna make an example out of this, as they should. This is bullshit. The black market is fucking everybody over, taking. I mean, it's kind of like the Napster argument. If you like, go back to. I remember that, Like, downloading, pirating illegal movies and music and stuff. Yeah. And what happened is that, as I expect it will in the cannabis industry, we came up with streaming, which is this beautiful, happy medium where the content providers make a little less, the um, users, the consumers pay a little more than free. And we get this beautiful relationship. The internet also helped a lot. Fast, right. fast bandwidth. And now everybody loves streaming. Everybody's paying for their content, and we have more quality, good content than ever. So someone's going to come up with the equivalent in the cannabis industry. It may be something like, um, like our uh, company yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's exactly that's what I was going to say. Tony and Ted, yeah. go back to Tony and Ted, the smartest guys in the room. Um, it's very compelling. Have you looked at that deal? I mean, you probably get a lot of weed for free. I do too, because I, I talk and work with weed companies all the time. But for all, all
1: of the co- all the excise taxes paid
0: though. Yeah, of course. No, I mean there's samples. There's samples. That's that's a real thing. Um Cushy Punch. Crazy. I mean, any more thoughts on that? Like, is this happening everywhere? Is everyone doing this? A lot of people are doing this. Come on.
1: Well, I, I don't think Cushy Punch is the only only one that's that's has two sets of books, right? Um, <laughs> I think that you know there are companies that have formed in the last few years that always had the eye on the legal market and have and have, have, have even if it meant sacrificing money they know they can make, they've towed the line and saved the course. But you know, Cushy Punch is a as a brand, you know, started by an entrepreneur that's been around for ten years. You know that a gentleman that served in jail for two years back in the day for when when cannabis was 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 more illegal even in the medical side so i think when you're an operator seeing you know what what this industry can look like from a cash flow perspective and you're being forced to operate in a narrow way in legal market it can be tempting i'm sure you know to uh to to ship products back east right um but yes, I think it'll be a, a it should it should be a warning sign to the industry. And at the end of the day, it was overdue in a lot of ways, you know, um, because you know it's it's people in the industry that are operating in the legal industry always complain about the black market and the yep. lack of fact has been little enforcement. And then California last year, I think, earmarked a certain percentage of the revenues from cannabis for for law enforcement because they talked about the need to crack down on the on the illicit market, and, and, it's, and they're actually starting to take some actions mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I don't think anybody anticipated this. Honestly, I thought at the time, yeah, the black market's a thing, but I thought the prices will get to a point where based on this oversupply story, I thought sooner rather than later, that we'd all have good, great, tested, well-marketed, branded weed. And I guess it's just taking a little longer than everybody expected. Because it's not the black market's fault. Yeah. It's it's the legal market's fault, right? And I think we have to look at ourselves and say, what are we doing as an industry to fix it? Yeah, you can point to the cops. But the cops are trying to, you know, catch murderers right. and the, the, the... rapists and... Wow, you're not making enough money with your weed company. Like no no one feels bad for us, you know. Anyway, it's just just my two cents in the world. Do you think this is different in NorCal versus SoCal? I, I'm I live in both places basically. Me too. And um, what are the differences there? Do you see a lot of differences?
1: I mean, I don't, I, there might as well be two different states in a lot of ways culturally as well as in the cannabis industry i think that there's very few like brand stories that have done a good job of poking through statewide there's some a lot there's strong in northern california but not southern california and vice versa yeah so it, it's a different it's just a different market um you know it's a it's a huge part of the industry i mean la is a city it's always said it's the largest legal cannabis city in the world but you know there's uh, as many people in the greater Bay Area as there are in, you know, L.A. County. Yeah, people right?
0: just don't think about it like that. But yeah, it's the Bay Area. Like, right. San Francisco is small.
1: San yeah. Francisco is small, but there's a million people live in, what, you know, Marin and Sonoma. Totally. You know, there's have two and a half million in the East Bay, two and a half million in the South Bay. You know, it's a...
0: I think... Look, this is an interesting civil discussion, but I think that the Bay Area is just a lot less... Um, traveled. Uh, you know, people that live in the East Bay the, and, and commute to San Francisco, they live near a BART station. You know, they're conscious about their movement. And in LA, it's just one fucking free for all freeway everywhere. And people don't even think about it. You know, like I came here today to Manhattan Beach from Venice and it was a 30 minute drive. And if we were to do this in San Francisco, First of all, you would have an office in San Francisco, maybe in Oakland, but probably in San Francisco, given what you do. It would have taken me like eight minutes in an Uber to get here. And I think this is one of the big differences that cannabis happens in cannabis, right? It's like, are you the kind of audience are you the kind of consumer that's going to get in the car and go to the dispensary and spend time looking around and picking? I feel like that's more of an L.A. thing to do or are you into the delivery in san francisco i had everything delivered i had my laundry delivered i had my food delivered i had i I mean i I found a mobile notary that would come to your house like everything and it's just a different culture here do you think that bleeds into the cannabis industry do you find that do you go to the dispensary do you
1: how much time do you spend in dispensaries i I go to dispensaries because i'm curious what what people are doing in the industry you know um like going to like a connected in Long Beach, is a lot different than going to a Jungle Boys. Yeah, you know, but but both are equally awesome in different ways. Um, you know, I think the delivery is a preference whether you're you're in the Bay Area or LA, and the novelty of going into a retail store, you know, in cannabis it's it's novel and definitely it will always have a good tourist vibe. But once you know products you want, like, and you can have someone bring that to you and not have to sit in traffic in either city you know it it makes a ton of sense look
0: i totally agree with you but people are just in their cars here you know if you go to work every day and you come home stopping at the dispensary on the way home it's not that big of a deal it's also cheaper but no look i like delivery you know i also like DiGiorno, but that's a whole nother (laughs) oh (laughs) jeez Is that still around? (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Is that still still a thing? (laughs) I couldn't help myself. Actually, I was watching this fascinating documentary on a pizza hut and how much DiGiorno fucked them in the 90s. Like pretty hard. Anyway. Um, Okay. Moving right along. Two topics left. I want to talk about the increasing corporatization of cannabis. Um, You're one of the people that's benefited that the most, basically, which is cool companies raised a bunch of money and then they give you
1: companies that raise money do it to either hire people or buy and spin up new operations yeah you know so that was a nice move that was a good
0: good strategy on your on your part um okay so one of the unfortunate downsides or at least a narrative here is that the corporatization of weed means we're all going to be smoking bud light before too long and that the quality small batch craft quality cannabis um, is gonna go away. And I have to say there is some good weed legally left in the world, but a lot of it's not that great. And I think the reason is because, correct me if I'm wrong, poke holes in this theory, but I believe that it's become so expensive to get a license, get set up right, make enough money so that you're vertically integrated, so that your margins are okay. All these things are very complicated, time intensive, money intensive. Very that, expensive. That I think the uh, the art, the process of producing very fine cannabis has been lost. And I know a couple companies that are very devout about their CSO or their chief cultivator or whatever, right. and they've maintained quality, but that's not the norm. And unfortunately, there's a lot of brands out there that have a lot of money that are very visible in front of consumers that, in my opinion, suck. Are we losing the quality of cannabis? Is this a real problem? Am I just a snob? Am I just a a terp hound that's, that's old? Am
1: I a dinosaur now? I think there's just different types of users. Users like you care about and are aware of quality and how, and and the difference between stuff of low quality and and not, um, that's not the majority of consumers. Um, And I think that, you know, with all the different products and form factors now, a lot of, you know, B grade cannabis will show up in in another type of product. Um, But there are people that, you know, don't, that smoke to not get high, but to, you know, take the edge off and you maybe don't need the highest quality potency thing yeah. out there. But I think that in California in my opinion there will always be a market for quality small batch outdoor grown outdoor cannabis because that that, that, that yeah. embodies the cannabis movement, you know, started in the Bay Area, you know, Dennis Perone and then, you know, people Berkeley and people that moved up north to live off the grid and and and, and grow cannabis. And uh-huh. I think there's a lifestyle component that this industry needs to continue to pay homage to the folks that have been involved in it for a long time that ran away from helicopters that yeah. uh, had their crops cut down, had all their stuff in their house broken and yeah. went to jail. Went to jail. Yeah. literally went a, to jail for lots of years. Yeah. Um and but there is a marketplace for for that small batch you know, craft cannabis. Um, you know, Flocona does a great job of, 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 I think kind of building an ecosystem around small farmers, but honeydew the,
0: farms does a really right, good job. But
1: Sacramento yeah. um, allowed for uh, co-ops, co-ops to form in cannabis, which is huge, which is, any, so anyone that has a license, but grows on half acre or less on their land um, can, can be part of a co-op. And, um, you know, I, I advise one called Emerald grown that is actually made up of five different co-ops around the state that, so they're, are institutions that are forming to try to keep cannabis weird if you will Um, and i think that at least in in california if not in other parts of the country that idea of sun-grown outdoor small batch craft cannabis will there will always be a market for it Mm -hmm.
0: i totally agree with you and i think you hit it right on the head and i'll go one step further which is i think there's currently a battle for the soul of cannabis happening.
1: Oh, 100%. Right?
0: And the people that you just described, the sort of NorCal, Leighton Hippie, live off the earth, outdoor, you know, um, it, that's sort of that component, right? And they're like, no, say no to the man. There's a lot of political undertones in these things too. Cool. Um, and then you have the indoor uh, Carry around your own gram of weed that's great. Do a snap in a bong. You know, I don't smoke joints. I don't have time for joints. Bring out the blowtorch. Get the dab rig. The dab rig. There you go. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Which is not not me. And there are make money at all costs. Doesn't matter what the values behind the brand are. Only that people like it and they want to buy it. I'm somewhere in the middle of these two people, as I'm sure most people are. I'm painting an extreme picture, but isn't the second group winning right now?
1: Isn't that what's happening in this industry? I don't think so. I think it's I think it's a the it's a marriage of both that's winning, because if you go to there's 700 vape brands, 150 pre roll brands, but not everyone is selling, and everyone is selling in high in in high quality. So there, I think, in some ways the cannabis consumer is aware some a lot of them care or if they've heard about a brand it has some type of you know it stands out to them so i think a lot of those just the same stuff in another package that's made by some you know corporate you know machine uh, complex if you will like we talked about before
0: cannabis industrial complex because not many of
1: them are actually doing well yeah you know. it's very hard to be a brand. And I think um, there's some brands that have poked out of, you know, the the capital intensive, you know, Bain or McKinsey type that, you know, has put, you know, some really strong connections together to build something. But a lot of it is rooted in some type of authenticity for the brands that are at least doing yeah. well. Like, you know, like a, like a Humboldt Farms, you know. And which-
0: that's true outside of this industry too. I mean, millennials, which we both are millennials, even if we're at the, the older older so it's, it's not a dirty word of the
1: well, there's a transitional period of people born between like 1980 and 1984 where the computers just started coming out what are those people school? called there's a word for them I don't know what it what is what year were you born 82
0: okay got it yeah my older sister was born in 84 so she's a millennial but she's like right on the cusp you right. know and I was born in 87 so I'm definitely a millennial but um, anyway uh, millennials care about not only what they buy but who made what they bought and where they come from and what they believe in and all those things. I'm actually a pretty bad millennial. I don't care about those things that much. I believe that if someone's willing to buy it, it deserves to exist in the world. But um, I'm me. Um,
1: Millennials are changing the world looking at who's actually making products that they ingest or put on their bodies.
0: And surprisingly, they are in certain categories willing to pay dramatically more to ensure that they got it the right way that it was made the right way whatever right. that's crazy to me like i don't know maybe i'm just selfish and i don't think about the if producer eric was here he'd be like yeah because other people matter brandon but like. <laughs> <laughs> but Where's eric but yeah eric uh, shout out eric he's in oakland at chemistry today um okay so gonna transition a little bit here to you what and just like what kind of consumer you are when you're not hitting the phones, grinding it out. Your business is doing well, first of all. I'm just going to do a little math in my head here. You said you're doing a deal a day.
1: Average, business day, average
0: business. salary, let's say it's 100K, just to make it easy. You make 25%, 30%. Somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. Negotiable, it's yeah. negotiable. I mean, How many roles do you have to fill? That's the question, right? Then you
1: negotiate yeah. from there. You're making pretty good money here. Yeah. Well, if you look at having a staff of ten or eleven people and being able to support, you know, that type of need, yeah. But but from an EBITDA standpoint, I think we're probably the highest one of the highest EBITDA businesses in the industry. Yeah. What percentage, but yeah, you know, not not. I mean, not look, gross. I, the, you know, I
0: don't want to make light of it at all. You're grinding your ass off. I see the way you're emailing me and texting me really early in the morning. I wake up really early too.
1: And I, you're I, on I top have kids. Of your shit. You know, I'm up anyway. Yeah, yeah, you're
0: doing it. Your team is awesome. I, I was lucky enough to have lunch with all you guys. Like, I'm I'm not looking for a job, but. I I would work here. Like, that'd be be it. Meant a lot when you said that. That'd be a dope situation. You've seen some pretty pretty good stories in this. Again, I'm not hireable, but yeah. Um. (laughs) Anyway, you can't afford the. Not only can you can't afford me, but uh, you don't want me to work for you.
1: You, You're going to go do your thing. That's what you're on this earth to do is is to chart your own path. Yeah, and uh, I I respect that. Yeah, no, it's just who I am. But
0: if I was 25. Oh man, I would kill. I worked my whole 20s and like I learned an incredible amount, but and it was worth it, but I hated it. Like I was a bad employee. Yeah, anyway, that's a, a story for a whole nother time. Um but you're making good money here, man. I I I just like when I come across companies in this industry that like have carved out their little niche. Sure. Now, is your strategy are you in growth mode here? Is it like I've scaled up a lot to try to help these people along, get my salespeople ramped up, or are you more towards the top of your capacity with this size team?
1: Good question. Um, I look at, I have two different voices as I think about growth. Number one is this industry only gonna get bigger, more more states, more territories are coming online, California continue to mature, and there's a marketplace to build a service provider just doing permanent executive search in cannabis, it's 20, 25 million a year. Uh-huh. Um, on the other side, I'm like, cannabis is freaking nuts, you know? And, and I, there's no reason to force the issue. I think it's grow intelligently. And when I started doing this, um, you know, I uh, I basically closed every candidate, onboard every client, close every deal. And, and over the last year and a half, I've really been able to transition into it where the majority of all those conversations are happened by a team that believes in what they're doing is empowered to go and do it. Um, so I'm looking at the next phase of growth is, is really around getting a solid base on the East Coast because waking up at 5 a.m. to be on calls with clients and so that, so that they don't even know where you're based and forget that you're in California. It makes sense to kind of mirror what we're doing out there. There's enough of a marketplace between you know Michigan and, and Florida to support operations out there. And then the one challenging about this industry and my, my team that's been with me for over years year has done really well is, is building their own relationships in the industry. It's hard. Well, that's the key thing, right? You, yeah. You well, have to for that. a service business, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it's hard to come in and like, where do you start? You can't find a lot of information on who these companies you are. You got to start and,
0: going to parties.
1: Well, hey, parties, the, the after parties around trade shows. That's what you got to do. Um, you know, go into stores. You got to start talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking at, I think there's regionally, um, one of the great things about recruiting uh, for, for, for better or for worse is that it's easy to go anywhere and say i'm a cannabis recruiter mm-hmm. no one can be like no you're not you know um <laughs> so it's a blessing and a curse now it's 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 a blessing because it's really easy to differentiate when you actually have some knowledge and perspective that's valuable sure. um but at the same time you, know, you got to always separate yourself and so i'm looking at regionally does it make sense to look for folks that have already started maybe running their own shop in other parts of the country and see if they're the right culture fit for what we're doing here? that's cool you know um and then I think that
0: where would be your first? Uh, where would you want to go? Denver? I mean, I, Washington. You, you got
1: you to look Pacific Northwest, Oregon, Washington yeah. as one. Um, I, you got to look at Colorado. Yeah, because it's just it, it, there's just still a lot that's there. Yeah. Um, although that it's still a kind of a of a, it seems just so much smaller than California from an industry well, perspective. Everything's smaller than California. Right. right. Um, and then you're got to be looking at you don't need a lot on the east coast but if there was something in like new york um you just could, time zones yeah you could the, you could serve yeah. you can serve a lot florida right? what about in florida well F- florida i think you know will eventually be a massive market yeah. right um it's still medical and obviously it's you you have to be very very sick to qualify mm-hmm. you know um there um so i think florida's huge but you look at i look at Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York. Mm-hmm. As when that goes, a there's no reason why. Well, you know, Boston, Boston's online now, right? Boston's online, but Massachusetts yeah. has been incredibly yeah, slow in giving licenses. Like uh, I, there's a there's a group. Shout out to Doug Layton. He's a friend of the show. He's
0: been on the show like my third episode ever, but he's a friend now. He's a big investor out of Boston,
1: but Michigan. So people are in this industry excited about Oklahoma because yeah. Oklahoma's just issued so many licenses, but they're gonna be more more. 3,000 dispensaries licenses issued in Oklahoma Mm -hmm. and it's not that big of a state right Mm -hmm. Michigan you well
0: then they're gonna have the same oversupply issue too yeah that's where we're all headed right Right? it's so funny America's so funny we love these cycles we thrive on them right you get winners and losers in every cycle yeah it's I mean yeah if that's not the most American thing I don't know what is okay getting even more personal uh you live in LA right where do you live
1: yeah I live live in LA okay I I live in uh Living in a pv oh very nice is it good weed culture over there uh there's no cannabis activity at, a, at on, all on the on the and that's hill. how you like it you, right? you, no i mean i i don't have family
0: and stuff like you
1: yeah well i mean it it delivery still works there you know and you can go you know two miles away and there's and there's something yeah. right but from a cannabis culture standpoint there's it's actually two worlds yeah there's you know a lot of um half half of the world embrace it and enjoy it more than you know drinking you know and, and half the world is is still lost in some you know 80s or 90s version of, of of america yeah you know um so but it's for for kids i mean that's exactly why you know i'm there because it's, you know, it's for good kids. schools yeah. land and, and um safety yeah
0: I grew up in Laguna Beach which is like the most beautiful and boring place in the whole world yeah well it's always good to grow up in a place where people go on vacation and you're always around fortunately I've always lived somewhere where people go on vacation which is kind of rad yeah when I think about it yeah Um, so at the end of the day when you're not hustling on the phone or doing podcasts and you sit down and you settle in what do you do in the evening besides family and dinner and stuff like do you do you smoke weed at night what do you smoke like tell us about your your routine
1: well the routine is always um you know if i can get the kids home right or get it home get to the kids help them get down to bed help my wife out um how many kids do you have four wow yeah so are you so Mor- i'm in are you mormon or something i'm not mormon um just uh like philip rivers uh, no he's got nine doesn't he <laughs> Yeah, yes. know, not, not more. I'm an crazy. only child, so you know you always want to see the other half. I think I see, you know? I see, yeah. Um, but you know, so obviously having four kids between the age of two and nine is, uh, you know, that's 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 the second job. You yeah. know, so um, just at a phase of my life being an entrepreneur and and, and being and having that from a family standpoint, there's not a lot of Dave time. Sure, right. But uh, but Dave uh does like flour. Uh-huh. Um, I like um, I like you know some stronger sativas like uh like a red congo okay. where Some you're cerebral yeah you know. where you you have energy you're not hungry and if you're in a group of people you're just all talking over each other right right you right. know um and then um yeah like a joint bong what are you what do you oh, like I'm, I'm i'm a i'm a i'm a joint you know fu- and you roll it yourself or pre-rolls pre- pre-rolls or, or someone
0: else you it's know it's mean, never is like, good though I, I know I can I know. teach you how to roll a good joint so man, I, got, I have five uh, minutes I've,
1: I've been into hands you know so
0: dude I got fat fingers too um, let's talk about your hands for a second uh, done you were
1: I was not I've never been a hand model you were quite uh, the football player though were you not I, I was uh, I was a football player um, yeah it's been it's been a while, but I got into a great school, Cornell, because I'm a six seven man. And Where I did you grow up? People. Where were you I grew from? up in Austin, Texas. In Austin, Texas. And, and then I uh, actually moved to L.A. in high school. so was, you were- I was a- kicked out of high school in, in Austin for cannabis my junior oh, year. Oh, shit. Yeah, which is- For selling it or just no, having it? Uh, no, for having it. Okay. Um, you know, zero tolerance, you know. Just having it. How just, much did you have? It. Nothing. So, random story. I'm pulling into my uh, high school parking lot. Uh, Travis County Sheriff parks behind my truck. And because I have a broken tail light, uh-huh. and he comes up to my window in the school parking lot and he asks for my license registration. He looks in and says, Is that a marijuana seed, son? Step out of the car. Seed. Seed. So this is again the 90s in Texas, where you know you're you're looking at classic brick pack Mexican, right? Yeah. Um yeah. and basically he put How me in- old hand- were you? I was sixteen. Ooh. He put me in handcuffs in the school parking lot. They had seven cop cars come in, like it was the biggest, big public safety issue. Spent an hour plus scraping up seats. I had a, I had a Ford Bronco. Okay. So great center console is a breakup tray. You and OJ. Um, <laughs> me and OJ. Um, and basically put whatever he could find on the carpet of the Bronco into a, a manila envelope that I could not see the contents of and arrested me for it. And uh, I was kicked out of I was kicked out of school. Yeah, and, um, and I was your getting heavily, parents lost their shit. Lo, lo, lost lost their shit. Oh. I was I was being heavily recruited too at the time uh-huh. by like big name football schools in Texas. So you were really good And some smart schools. Yeah, because I'm a six seven man that could what, run uh, a little bit. What was know? what positions you play? Uh, offensive tackle, left or right? Uh, I was right tackle. Okay. I played both. You know, it depended on yeah. the on the team and the season. They didn't but,
0: trust you to protect the quarterback on that side, the blind I side, mean, or. It,
1: getting the because those guys make the most money right that's the big that, that, yeah. that's what the, the movie says but at the end of the day <laughs> prote- keeping people out of the quarterback's face on the other side is equally as important it's
0: very important you know and in fact a lot of teams like to run right and so then you're obviously the more important part yeah I was a left guard in a D tackle not nearly as good as you were but uh, I was pretty good for my little bullshit white high school
1: you know hey, man. Newport Beach player it's competitive. Three, it's competitive player of the week the three weeks in a row Newport Beach Player of the Week, three weeks in a row. Yeah, I mean that's unhur- unprecedented.
0: I, I, I mean? mean, I don't know if it's unprecedented, but um, my dad was pretty excited. Right. I, I guess that's what matters in the world. Um, so you were a pretty good football player. You went to Cornell, and you started at Cornell. You played for. I, play, I played for a
1: year. Um, injured myself. Um, I had already, um, at that point in my life, had had a, a knee surgery and an ankle surgery, uh-huh. and. Basically, I dislocated both shoulders within four weeks of each other. Wow! And um, and I just decided that being able to walk when I was, you know, thirty seven was, was probably more important than I wasn't yeah. destined for the NFL. And uh, and so I, I played at for you. What year. age did
0: that dream die? Where you were like, I'm probably not getting 19. to the NFL. Nineteen. Yeah. So you're freshman at
1: freshman in college.
0: Yeah. yeah. But up until that a, point, I, you thought
1: I thought it was it, it was possible to do if I really. You know put everything into it and wanted to do it yeah. um that i was you know fortunate enough to be given a, a gift of size yeah you know were your parents huge are they no. athletic my uh my dad is the biggest person in uh, his family he's six two um i'm six seven my mom is five, five hundred pounds okay you know interesting so, and all my uncles were you a big cousins. baby 10 pounds. Okay. That's yeah, or 9 thing. pounds, 12 ounces. All right. My mom was 89, no 89 pounds when she gave birth. Grandparents that were freaks? No. no yeah. <laughs> uh, giants. You know, giants are better. Mutants. At, although, I, you know, being tall, you hit your head a lot. You should be qualified for the ADA, I think. Are you somewhere. afraid that you're going to die at a young age
0: because you're really big? Because that the, happens, the thought right?
1: is The thought has crossed my mind. Yeah. I, mean, I it, mean, you're
0: pretty healthy. You're in good be, shape.
1: Being, but. you know, mor- mortality, especially when you have kids and you... You know, may may have uh, partied when you're in your 20s and and teens. Um, You know, think about it. But but I think that, you know, it's all about what you eat and staying active. And what about concussions
0: like CTE? How's your brain? Brain's still working most days. Well, obviously, but do do you think you...
1: I don't. I think I avoided serious long term because you only challenges. played
0: as a freshman, right? And did you? Yeah, play, but I played
1: when, when, in Texas. I mean, they have middle school teams, so I played for of eight course, years, yeah. right? But um, you
0: only went till you were nineteen.
1: Yeah. God. Yeah. So I think I probably I've, saved I've, yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think you know you avoid a lot of that long term.
0: Was it fun at Cornell playing? Like, was college football fun to play?
1: College football is definitely fun to play you know game days are amazing i think it, it turns into um more of a more of a job you know because you're looking at 5:30 a.m. It's um, a job film yeah. you're looking yeah. at yeah so know.
0: i was pretty good i could have played d3 maybe like d2 college football I, I my dad was an nfl agent for a while so he knew a lot of recruiters and people that could have helped me and stuff but i didn't want to work hard i didn't want to on friday night be like oh fuck i gotta play in the morning i wanted to be fucked up and having a good time oh i wanted to go to a big school i went to university of arizona there's no way i was playing at university of arizona so it was a no-brainer for me but yeah i always wondered i had some friends that went on and played college places yeah. and it seems like a lot of fun It'd been cool to have that experience but i'm so glad that i well, i did well, I always, and i would I always, have fucked myself up i know it yeah. i would i would be brain dead
1: well i always thought of it like if i would have difference between playing at, at Cornell versus, like, playing in, like, a big, you know, Big Ten or, uh-huh. you know, whatever school yeah. is, it, it's a lot different. Yeah. And also, just in general, going to college in upstate New York at a super competitive Ivy League school versus, like, if I had gone to, you know, UCSB, which is really hard to get into still, uh-huh. um, you know, how what, what, would it, what would my mentality perspective be? I know? see. And so, you got a fantastic education and took advantage of it. For for free? Did they it was a scholarship? They don't or? give scholarships. They give uh uh aid, need based aid. And you know, I, I fortunately I qualified with single single parent household and, and, and all that and obviously they give you as much aid as you can if you're gonna play football for them. And Got once it. you're into that school, they can't change your aid package uh-huh. even if you stop playing a sport because it's you know an education So first you did school.
0: have on a bill or no? I had a bill. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I owed. I owed, reasonable. I owed, you know. 50 grand out out of college oh, wow. um which that's is still a lot but that's like reasonable a year that's like of, one year of at the time yeah. now one year is like 80 grand yeah, right yeah, yeah. Yeah. same like i wanted to go to
0: usc a bunch of my friends went to usc same deal yeah at 50 then 80 now yeah it's, yeah well that's cool though but and my, you oh. took advantage of it see that's the cool thing is a lot of people i know they don't call them scholarships but that's basically a scholarship like um a lot of college athletes they don't take advantage of it and it's just wasted and they could have had a But yeah you got a great education look what it did for you man
1: you, Crushing it in the world well, football kind of did that right in a it, weird it, way. It, it, opened, it was it was a great can opener and, and in those schools because. <laughs> Someone has to round out the bottom of the class. Like they have so many different sports programs. So if you have kids, get them to do something obscure like water polo or rowing. But
0: actually, not just superimpose their picture, Photoshop yeah, their
1: picture. Yeah, there, yeah. Don't yeah. don't get don't yourself go to jail for Jesus. For, for any admissions. Games. You know, I
0: grew up in Newport, and that's like where it was rampant. Oh, oh yeah. But I, it's funny. I I called my dad when the news broke, and he was like, "So, Dad, looks like I could have gotten into SC. You just didn't love
1: me enough." Is what, what you're well, telling me, but this, but this, it was, there was just outright fraud, right? But people have always, I think, kids have always had the benefit if their parents donated to a school, sure, you know, in but terms that's of different. Well, actually, it's not
0: different. It just limits the number to a handful who donated fifty million dollars, thirty million dollars, not any Joe Schmo who wants to pay two hundred k. You know, that's the difference, right? It's not any more better or worse, right or wrong. It's just. It's Such a small group that it's like okay, you know, whatever, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. fascinating. Um, but you know, I still out of college, I did start off entry level, making 1050 an hour, phone on the shoulder, no computer, doing inside sales, doing recruiting. But that's how you and learned, man. That's, that's, that's exactly that, how I learned, yeah. And I, and I worked my way up and stayed with that company for 13 years and yeah. was, you know, able to run my own office within three years, yeah. you know, just based on. You know, there's no choice you and know? now you're living the life yeah living the life uh, all because you were good at hitting people all, all all because i was good at hitting people and at the same time like you know it wasn't a lot of people looked at me sideways when i left a very stable thing and um, comfort and moved the family back across the country and to do, the, to do a startup in the cannabis industry so um it's still some i'd say risk Involved, You're proving them wrong, man. There. There's
0: risk in everything in life, right? Um, and was,
1: for me, there's more risk in looking back and re- having regrets fuck, yeah. that you didn't do everything. Maybe Hell, you yeah. might make the wrong choices throughout a life, but to like just be scared and all of a sudden never jump outside of your lane and grow as a human. Yeah, you know, is, is
0: well, I have no regrets in coming here and doing this today. It was really, really great, and no one has any regrets from listening to this too. I think it was packed full, really good information yeah, from somebody that does it every day somebody in the shit if you're trying to get into the weed industry and you got some skills you probably should talk to dave i think he could probably help you out and if you're a company that needs to hire let's say 30 to 75 people and you're looking for a big contract uh, you should call dave as well and um what else what else do you want to plug anything else that you want you want to Snag in here, sneak I mean, in here. i
1: I love uh love talking about this industry and, and talking with people that are also informed about it. And so reach out. Um David at flowerhire.com if you have yeah. any any questions, want to learn more about what's going on here, learn more about the industry.
0: So I guess final thought, and it'll be a little controversial. Um
1: I expect nothing else.
0: Well that's what we do here. Hmm. You know, that's what we do here. We had a phone call. I was introduced to you by one of your former employees. We had one lunch meeting, a little smoke sesh, and then this today. So this is really our third interaction, right? And I feel like we very quickly have become friends. And that's awesome, but that's not why I bring it up. The reason I bring it up is because white men in any industry, but in cannabis as well, they are often accused of keeping power between them. Or that they don't interface well with others. And both of you are both of us are young, white, successful males. We both have beards, too. Strong beards. I do tend to gravitate towards people that have beards too.
1: That's weird, but yeah. Most people do though. It's not just you.
0: I right. Yeah. Okay. So that's where I'm leading here is we've been able to connect on many level levels about other business, about this show, about being friends in a very quick amount of time. And one is I feel a little guilty about that in a weird way because you're not black or you're not a woman and it wasn't effortless with a minority of some kind. I wonder, do you think about those things and does that matter? Does it matter or is it just we met and we're cool, we got stuff to work on, awesome, world goes on? I know it's a deep question.
1: This is a deep question. Um, I think that uh, this is a big conversation, and America, specifically being a cultural melting pot, has always been divided um, up. Um, even currently, in different in our cities, you know, we were are all you know maybe don't live next to people that don't look like us as often. Um, but at, but at the same time, I I think that you you know we're we're being not only not really forced but everyone is conscious of that based on it is a current discussion of the of 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 diversity i think there's a there's a middle ground between any type of you know um you know sexism or racism should not be tolerated but at the same time like you know it's okay to make relationships with people that you're you find as talented and Mm -hmm. and valuable and and not feel guilty about doing that right um so I guess I just,
0: part of me feels guilty because, look, I only know what it's like to be me. And I am privileged. I I grew up privileged. But so many, so often, not that I don't have problems in my life, but so often the business end of things is effortless for me. You know, and I can see the way you are too. Not that you don't work hard, but it's just coming to you. It's just working, you know. And the reason it's working is because, not because you're a white man. But because you're you, and I think we've missed this point in society that like not all white men are evil, and they're not all awesome, and they're not all rich, you know. And I guess I maybe I'm I'm That's
1: true. Well, it, You know, you digressing the danger, too though, much when here, you lump things easily by a, a super recognizable category into yeah. pro and anti or or. You know, and and I think that we as a society do that way too often um, about everything. You know, there's no middle ground. There's no. So I think if, you know, and I I think that we can continue to have conversations and help see each other's perspective and hopefully get to a middle ground. But I don't see that necessarily happening well in our.
0: The best thing that you can do if you want to relate to someone is smoke a joint together.
1: Absolutely the best thing you can do. I think that. And it's I said earlier too. Like cannabis is not a white industry or a black industry or a lady industry. There are people of all walks of life that have the power to benefit from this plant, or, 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 or do use the plant. And I think that is one of the things. The plant-based medicine, or, or just w- what happens with cannabis, it does break down those walls and makes people more open. And um, I think it is powerful in that way. You know, mm-hmm. I think um, you know there'd be less wars if it was involved in diplomatic meetings, I'm sure. You and know? women,
0: we need women running things. They're way better I, at getting I agree. along. They're better
1: recruiting, they're better at sales, yeah. and um, better people yeah. overall. Well,
0: man, thank you for diving down that rabbit hole with me. This has been really fun. Thank you so much. I meant what I said when I said we, we've become fast friends. And I love that. It's been great. I'm glad you're um, close by. Yeah. And
1: this this is your satellite office. Thank
0: you so much. That's really nice of you. Dave, thanks again. No problem.